Well, we're in this sermon series called Clarify, talking about clarity in God's word. And today I want to unpack for a few moments a sermon that I've simply entitled what the Bible has to say about revival repentance. I believe that the Lord is about to send a mighty revival to his church, not just here in the city of Ottawa, but across the nation of Canada, not even just to the nation of Canada, but around the world. And when I study the word revival in the pages of God's word, way back in the ancient Hebrew roots, it means to be come back to life, to be brought back to life. And I believe God wants to awaken his church. I believe he wants to bring his church alive. The second thing that revival means is to restore it back to its, its original meant condition. And I believe God is about to restore his church back to the way he intended to be. And I believe that God's people are going to fall more deeply in love with Jesus all over again. And I believe we're going to experience a joy that is unspeakable and is full of glory. And I believe there's going to be a harvest of souls that no building can contain. I believe that the best days for God's church are the days ahead. We are in a dark and a difficult season. Nobody's looking forward to the word lockdown for the next four weeks. And darkness has swept over the minds in the hearts of people, and I feel the Lord saying to me to call us to stay the course and to press in and believe for revival in his church, believe for breakthrough in the name of the Lord. I don't believe that any coronavirus can stop what God wants to do. I believe that God wants to shine his light and do great things in the days ahead. Somebody give a clap offering of praise to our Lord God. Every revival in history has different characteristics, but there is a trademark of every revival. It's a word that we don't talk about often. It's the word repentance. Many people ask me, what comes first, revival or repentance? And the answer is yes, both. In other words, repentance precedes revival and repentance follows revival. Repentance, I believe, will be unbelievers repenting and becoming believers. Repentance means believers repenting and becoming more like Jesus. I believe that repentance is a trademark in every revival that brings us to the place of revival, and it's what follows in the revival. I want you to write this in your notes, and this is a definition of repentance. Repentance begins, first of all, with a change of heart. Write that in your notes, a change of heart that leads to a change of mind that results in a change of action. It all begins in the heart. The heart is everything. And when the spirit of Holy Spirit grips us, we begin to repent. And there's a change in our spirit being in our heart. And that change of heart begins to change our thinking. And we begin to think the way God thinks. And we begin to see things the way God thinks. But then it leads to a change of action. Repentance isn't true repentance. So it starts in the heart and changes the mind. And then it changes the way we live. It's lived out in the way that we live. Matthew chapter 3 verse 8 talks about repentance and it speaks of, of a repentance that produces fruit. Fruit must always follow repentance and the true trademark of repentance is when there's a change of our action to line up with the ways of God. And so this morning for a few moments I want to talk to you about repentance. I want to talk to you about revival and I want to share with you about David's personal revival. David did you know that there's no other name in the Bible that's mentioned more than David other than the name of Jesus? 
No other name. His name is mentioned more than any other person in the Bible outside of Jesus. And David was a worshiper. And David had a heart for God. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, David is the king. And he's at the top of his game. And it's a time of year, the Bible says, when, when kings would be off at war with their people, but not David. For whatever reason, he got complacent, and complacency robs us from revival. And he's on top of the roof of his home, and it's in the evening. And he looks over, and he sees someone else's wife, Bathsheba, and she's, she's bathing, and, and he started to, to want to be with her, and he invited her to come to his place, and he had an affair with her, and she conceived and gave birth to a child. David tried to hide his sin, and so he knew that Bathsheba was married, and she, he knew that, that he needed to do something about this, so he arranged that, 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 that Eliam, the husband of Bathsheba, be put in the front of the army, and, and he knew that he would die because anyone at the front of the army would die if the enemy was stronger. In essence, he murdered. He had an affair, and he murdered someone, and he's the man who had the heart after God. You come to 2 Samuel chapter 12, and there's a friend of David, and he's a prophet. And God used this prophet Nathan to speak into the life of David. And the reason why he could speak into the life of David is because he had a relationship with David. And in that relationship, he comes to him in the right spirit. And he shares a story that David would understand. He talked about, about sheep. David was a shepherd. He gripped him with a story of something he understood. And at the end of the story, he pointed out the sin that was in David's life. And David got so gripped that his heart was marked with repentance. The book of Samuel records the history of David. The book of Psalm records the heart of David. And for a few moments this morning, I want to take you to Psalm chapter 51. So if you've got your Bible, I want you to turn with me to Psalm of Revival repentance. The first element that I saw as David was repenting before God, number one, was conviction. I want you to write that in your notes, conviction. And I want to take you to verse one down to verse three. And I want to share with you what David poured out in his heart as he was repenting before God, because Psalm 51 connects with 2 Samuel chapter 12. He said, have mercy on me, Mercy is receiving something we don't deserve. David didn't deserve mercy, but David needed mercy. He didn't ask for what he deserved. He asked for what he needed. Have mercy on me. Oh God, according to your unfailing love, he called out to God for his love that never failed. How many people are glad that God's love never fails? He asked for mercy. He asked for love. According to your great compassion, he asked for mercy and love and compassion. He didn't deserve it, but he needed it. And then he said, blot out my transgressions. I began to study the ancient word transgression. In Hebrew, it means rebellion. David was saying, take away my rebellion. Remove my rebellion. Because that's what sin is. It's a rebellion to God's design. And then he, then he said, wash away all my iniquity. And iniquity speaks of willful deceit. He's saying, God, take away my rebellion. Take away my willful deceit. And cleanse me from my sin. And the ancient Hebrew word for sin speaks of something that separates us from God. Because if you want a working definition of sin, sin is anything that separates you from God. We hear the story of David. We think, I, I've not had an affair. I've not murdered. I'm way better than David. But sin is anything 
that separates you from God. I come to verse three, and here's the conviction. He said, for I know, and when David says I know, he means I intimately know this. I know it. I know my transgression. And again, transgression is speaking of his rebellion. He says, I know my rebellion, and I know my sin because it's always before me. It's continually before me. It's always on my mind. It's in me. It's been there for the last nine months. When Nathan came to David, nine months had gone by, and for nine months, David was carrying the guilt. But now, conviction swept over him. In revival, there is a spirit of conviction. In revival, people fall on their face and repent of the spirit to sweep in our midst again so that we would have a change of heart that would lead to a change of thinking, that would lead to a change of action, that we wouldn't just be filled with remorse. We would be marked with repentance to becoming more like Jesus. My prayer today is God send the spirit of conviction. But then there's a number two, confession. You see, David didn't stop with conviction. David moved to con- confession. And in just a moment, I'm going to read to you verse four down to verse six. And I want you to note that he didn't put a new spin on his sin. He didn't blame someone else. He owned it. He acknowledged it. He didn't say, I did this because of my upbringing. He didn't say, I did this because my wife hasn't been nice to me. He didn't say, well, well, it's because, because, because he owned it. He acknowledged it. He didn't put a new spin on it. He said in verse four, watch this against you and you only have I sinned. David knew that his sin first and foremost was against God. And I've done what is evil in your sight. You see, when you truly repent, you begin to see sin for what it is. And you begin to see sin for how God views it. And he knew what he had done was evil in the sight of God. He said, so you're right, God. You are so right, God, in your verdict. And you are justified when you judge, verse 4. And then in verse 5, he began to realize that he was, he was brought into the world as a sinner because the Bible says, for all have sinned. All have come short of the glory of God. He said, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Oh, there's another great nugget of truth in here because David is teaching us here that life begins at conception. You see, David was all a about pro-life. How many people believe that life begins at conception? Society is trying to tell us different and society is swept into the thinking of church and people are beginning to rationalize and there's a slippery slow slope for people to get away from the truth of God's word and I'm calling the house to clarity. David said, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. And then he said in verse six, yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb because David knew that God had marked him to live a faithful life. But he knew he had been unfaithful to his wife and committed the sin of adultery with Bathsheba. And he knew that he was wrong in putting, putting, putting the husband, putting the husband of Bathsheba, Uriah at the front line and, and he was murdered and he knew that he was wrong. He said, yet you desired faithless even in the womb and you taught me wisdom in that secret place. Confession. But then there's number three. This one really gripped my spirit. It's cleansing. Cleansing. Verse seven, David said, cleanse me with the the hyssop. What was the hyssop? It was a plant. 
It was an ancient plant that they actually used in their Jewish homes when when it was a time for the Passover and every family would take a lamb and sacrifice the lamb and they would dip the hyssop into the blood of the lamb and they would take the hyssop with the blood on it and put it on the doorpost. You know the story. And the death angel would pass over. The hyssop was the same plant that the soldiers had dipped the vinegar in when Jesus said, I thirst. And they raised the hyssop to Jesus and he, and he put his, his lips and his tongue upon the hyssop and he, and he began to drink from the vinegar water and he said, cleanse me with the hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. He uses the analogies of the day of cleansing and purifying because in that culture, there was purification rites when you came to the place of worship. But he knew spiritually the only one who could cleanse his heart was God. David was understanding that true repentance is a change of heart that leads to a change of mind, which results in a change of action. But then I want you to see these, these five results of cleansing that are five results of revival that I pray that God would give us a freshness of in a season of repentance and hungering for revival. The first cleansing result, this first mark of revival is rejoicing. He said, let me hear joy. Let me hear joy. And joy speaks of something that's on the inward. Let me hear joy and gladness. Joy is inward and gladness is outward. Let me hear joy and gladness. But he said, God, let, let me hear Joy and gladness again because David was a worshiper. And one of the marks of revival is a spirit of joy that fills the house. Darkness is sweeping the world. People are discouraged. Depression is rampant. Mental health issues are on the rise. Suicide is on the rise. People are discouraged. We're in a lockdown. This is the last time we can gather on site for a number of weeks. Stores are closed. People are working from home. Young parents are trying to school their kids and do their job. These are desperate times. If there's ever a time we need the joy of the Lord, now is the moment. And my prayer is, God, would you sweep us with a fresh joy that is unspeakable and full of glory? Number one, rejoicing. But then there's number two, removing. Number two, removing. And I want you to understand for a few moments that, that, that we need not just to for, receive forgiveness from our sins. We need to know that we are forgiven. One of the plagues of the devil is to make you feel like you are not forgiven. But I'm here to say when you confess your sin and bring it to God, you are forgiven. And when there's revival, you don't just receive forgiveness. You know that you were forgiven. You know that you were clothed with the righteousness of God. You know that you are set free from your sins. So David said, hi your face, not from me, but hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Take away all of my willful deceit, O oh God. Remove it completely and let me know that I am forgiven. The devil wants you to not feel like you are forgiven, but when you ask Jesus in your life and you ask him to forgive you of your sins, you are forgiven. And I believe God wants to send a wave of forgiveness that we know that we are a child of the living God and he has taken our sins of the cross and we are free in the name of the Lord. Somebody give a clap offering of praise to our Lord God. But then there's number three, re reconnecting. Reconnecting. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever had a moment that you didn't feel 
the presence of God I have? Have you ever had a moment that you felt like God was a thousand miles away? I know doctrinally God is omnipresent. I know doctrinally Holy Spirit is in me. But in this lockdown season and in this dark season, there's going to be moments that you feel like God has abandoned us. You're going to feel like heaven is silent. You're going to feel like Jesus was on the cross when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You feel like darkness is, is large and the devil is winning, but the devil is defeated and Jesus is still on the throne. And so David said, do not cast me from your presence, O God, or take your Holy Spirit from me. He knew that Holy Spirit was with him, but he wanted to feel the presence of Holy Spirit. And in revival, we begin and to feel the presence of Holy Spirit, that the omnipresence of Holy Spirit moves to the manifested presence of Holy Spirit. And I'm praying that in a revival season, we would experience not just the omnipresent, but the manifested presence, which would move to the personalized presence, that you would be so flooded with joy. You would be so flooded with the presence of God that you would sense him and feel him and know him, that there would be laughter, there would be joy, that there would be gladness, that there would be a spirit of life, that the church would be brought back to life, that the church would be restored to the way God intended it to be. So God, may we sense the presence of your Holy Spirit in the name of the Lord. Somebody give a clap offering of praise to our Lord God. And so David talked about rejoicing, removing, renewing, reconnecting, and then lastly, restoring, restoring. Restoring is bringing back to order, bringing back what was, restoring it, bringing it back to the way it used to be. And so David said to God, restore to me, because this was David's personal revival. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. I pray that God will restore back in my life and in your life the joy of salvation, that we would fall in love with Jesus all over again, that he would give me and you and his church a willing spirit to do what he wants us to do, that we would be sustained by Holy Spirit because some of you feel like giving up. Some of you go, how can I get through another day? Some are like, I won't get through this lockdown. I don't know how I'm going to get through this year of teaching my, my, my children in school at home. I don't know how I can juggle work and school. I don't think I can last. Some of you are watching online and you're so lonely. You wish you could be here this morning, but you don't feel comfortable yet to come back and fear is gripping you. You're so lonely and your feelings, you're feeling the dark. I'm praying, Holy Spirit, restore the joy of our salvation that we would be reminded that Satan is not scribing the script. Jesus is in charge. Jesus is in charge. He is not the tail. He is the head of the church. The grave is empty. He is alive. So in a spirit of revival, there is is a restoration of a joy of our salvation. Please pause and give a clap offering of praise to our Lord God. Number one, conviction. Number two, confession. Number three, cleansing. But then there's number four, consecration. Where we set ourselves apart and David talks about two key things. 
as he was walking the journey of repentance, of a change of heart that led to a change of mind, that led to a change of action. Number one, witnessing, witnessing. Watch, I love verse 13. We often miss it in the text. In verse 16, then I will teach transgressors your way. I'm going to come alongside those who have made the same sin mistake that I've done, and I'm going to help them so that they wouldn't do what I've done. I'm going to teach transgressors your way so that sinners will turn back to you. I'm going to take what the devil meant for evil, and I'm going to bring something good out of it. I'm going to come alongside someone who's struggling with it I struggled with, and I'm going to help them to come back to God. You see, that's redeeming the hurt and bringing something good. That's redeeming the sin and bringing something good. That is saying, God, the devil meant it for my destruction, but you meant it for good. I might have sinned, but I've repented, and now I'm going to help people not to do what I did. I'm going to come alongside and help. And I call the church to do all we can to help others. And then there's number two, worshiping. Oh, David was a worshiper. Oh, when I read the book of Psalm, I I hear the heart of a worshiper. David in his Jewish culture loved to dance before God and celebrate before God. Look at verse 14, verse 15. Deliver me from the guilt a bloodshed. Oh, he could have rationalized it. I didn't, I didn't kill Bathsheba's husband. I just put him on the front of the war line. No, no, he's dead because I put him on the front line of the army. I know that whatever soldiers I put at the front are probably not going to come home for supper that night. So God, deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed. I'm feeling so guilty. Deliver me, God. You who are God, my Savior. Watch this. My tongue will sing of your righteousness. True worship is not about us. True worship is always about him. I pray that our worship will always be about who our God is. And in case you're wondering, our God is everything. He is strong and mighty and powerful. He is our righteousness. And David said, my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Verse 15, open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. And in any revival, there's a characteristics of a refreshing of praise and worship in the Azusa Street revival in Los Angeles in 1906 in an old warehouse and an old 312 Azusa Street. William Seymour led a revival. He may not have had education, but he had an anointing of Holy Ghost and he would preach and services would go from early morning to late night, sometime through the entire night and for three solid years every nationality, every social class, every age group came. The unbelievable believers were converted and the believers were more set free and becoming more like Jesus. People were saved and healed, but there was a characteristic of worship. Oh God, may there be a freshness always in our worship. How many of people here love to worship our God? Come on. How many of people love to worship our God? But then there's number five. Contrition and crushing. Contrition and crushing. Before I read these verses, can I remind you that when God has an impossible task, 
He finds an impossible person and he crushes them. He breaks them. He breaks us and then he makes us. <laughs> In our culture, anything that is broken, we throw it away. We say it has no purpose, it's broken. The TV's broken, throw it out, get a new one. The car is so broken, get rid of it, get a new one. But not in the economy of God, the more broken you are, the more he can use you. Did you know that the flower has to be crushed so that the aroma would come out of the flower? The greater the aroma is equal to the greater the crushing on the flower. Did you know that the olives in the Bible, they had an olive press that they would crush the olive. And when the olive was crushed, the oil would come out. Did you know that they would take the grapes and they would crush the grapes for the wine to come out? They needed to crush the grapes. In Judges chapter 7, there was a man named Gideon, and he was leading a, an army of the Israelites, and, and he didn't feel he could do it. Oh, God, I can't do this. And God says, you're a mighty warrior, Gideon. I'm going to use you to defeat the Midianites. He said, you go and you fight them, and you blow the trumpet. But he said, I want you to take the empty jars that had the torches in them, and when you blow the trumpet, break the jar, break, smash the jar, and the... <laughs> And when the, when the jars were smashed, the light shone out. The more broken we are, the more the light of Jesus shines through us. Come on, give a clap offering of praise to our God. So in verse 16, and in verse 17, David said to God, you, you God, you don't delight in sacrifice. <laughs> I've done that, God. I've gone and I brought the burnt offering. And, or I would bring it. You don't take pleasure in burnt offerings. You see, David was going through the motions of the offerings while sin was in his heart. Are you catching that this morning? He would go to the temple, to the old place of worship, the tabernacle actually, and he would bring his worship of burnt offerings. But sin for nine months was hidden in his heart. He, he was carrying the guilt of his sin. He said, God, you don't, you don't delight in sacrifice. That's a mockery. Or I'd bring it. You don't take pleasure in burnt offerings. Look at verse 17. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit. And the Hebrew word means broken or crushed or smashed. And it's the same way where the potter would take the clay and crush and break the clay and then shape it into a vessel. Before God can fill us with the spirit, he has to break us and shape us before he fills us. And David said, my sacrifice, God, it's a broken spirit. It's a broken and a contrite heart, oh God. You will not despise. You see, in any revival, there is brokenness. In any revival, we realize it's not about us. It's all about God. In any revival, pride is smashed. And William Seymour in the Azusa Street revival was so broken before God that often in a worship service, this is true, he would bury his head in an old shoebox because he wanted no one to see his face. He was so broken. He was so contrite. I pray, God, break me so that you can make me. In revival, there's tears. Tears 
keep leaking eyes, keeps a head from swelling. Brokenness removes the pride. Brokenness is attractive to our God. And I declare to everyone on sight and everyone online that God wants to send revival. But he's calling his church to true repentance, a change of heart that leads to a change of mind that brings forth a change of action. And it must have conviction. And it must have confession. And there must be cleansing. And there will be rejoicing. There will be removing. There will be renewing. There will be reconnecting. And there will be restoring. But there must be consecration. But there must be contrition and crushing and brokenness. Could I invite you to stand? Whether you're here on site or you're at home. And I want to pray. And then Pastor Brad and the worship team are going to begin to worship. And my prayer today is that God would revive us. God would awake our soul. And that a spirit of repentance would sweep over the church. And that we would be broken. Because the more broken we are, the more he can use us. Father God, I pray as Pastor Brad comes. I pray, mighty God, that there would be an open heaven over this place this morning. I pray that unbelievers would become believers. I pray that the spirit of conviction would sweep over all our hearts and you would show us anything that is separating us from you. I pray that there would be a spirit of a personal revival that would sweep over every life on site and online. I pray that there would be revival in this church and revival in the city of Ottawa and revival in the nation of Canada and revival around the world. I pray, God, that we would see a harvest like we have never seen before. Church, go ahead. Just lift your hands to the heavens as a symbol of surrender. I believe God is in the house this morning. God is in your home, wherever you are watching online. Lift your hands. And God, I pray as Pastor Brad and the worship team begins to worship, I pray that you would awaken 
our soul. I pray that you would bring us to life. I pray, God, that you would bring us back to the condition that you want us to be. I pray that we would fall in love with you all over again. I pray, Jesus, that joy would fill the house in the name of the Lord. I pray in the name of the Lord that you would do a fresh work in every spirit, in every heart in this place in the name of the Lord. God, I pray that you would send the fire of revival. You would send the wind of revival. I pray, God, open heaven over every mom, every dad, every grandma, every grandpa, every young adult, every young person, every adult, every child. I pray in the name of the Lord that there would be a fresh wind of Holy Spirit that would breathe life in this place today. I pray, mighty God, that there would be breakthrough in the name of the Lord. I pray, God, that revival, 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 revival would sweep into our spirits in the name of the Lord. So God, as Pastor Brad begins to sing, as the worship team begins to sing, let there be an open heaven in Jesus' name. Changes things, the sound of his people. Things. Wake up, you slumbering. It's time to worship him. There's a sound, there is a sound that changes things. The sound of his people on their knees. Wake up, you slumbering. It's time to worship him. There is a sound. That changes things, the sound of his people on their knees. Wake up, you slumbering, it's time to worship him. Wake my soul and sing, sing his praise Everyone's eyes are closed. 
whether you're here on site or you're watching online, if today was the day that you died and you stepped into eternity, do you know that you're ready for heaven? If today was the day that Jesus came back, do you know that you're ready for heaven? Have you personally asked Jesus Christ into your life? Salvation is by grace. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. Christianity is not a dead religion. It's a personal living relationship with God through Jesus Christ. If you personally ask Jesus to come into your life, you personally ask him to forgive you of your sins. If you've never done that, I want to give you that moment this morning, whether you're on site or online. If you're not ready for heaven, I want you to join me in this prayer. And we're going to join you as you pray. Dear Jesus, I ask you into my life. Please forgive me of my sins. I've decided to follow you. Today, I confess you, my Savior and my Lord. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we open our eyes? Can we celebrate? Come on, celebrate salvation. And if you're on site or online and you prayed that prayer, you made the best decision of your life. If you're on site on your way out, there's an exit point with tables at the exit point. We got a Bible for you, it's free. We got a little booklet for you, it's free. And sign up for our online follow class. If you're you're still checking out Christianity, you're watching online or you're here on site, we got a ministry called Alpha. Sign up for it. It's gonna help answer your questions. And if you don't attend a life-giving Bible-believing church, we'd be honored if you joined us in the journey. If you're from somewhere else in Canada or around the world, connect with us. We're going to help you find, we're going to help you find a life-giving church in your area. In just a moment, I want to pray for you before you go, but I want to thank you for joining on site. And next Sunday, I, I know we're, we're just allowed 10 and to be honest, just to do an online live service, it's going to take 10 of us just to do it. And so we can't open our doors. We feel bad about that, but we're going to be online and uh, join us next Sunday morning, nine or 11. And next Sunday night, we're doing prayer by Zoom. It's great. We can see everybody and register for that prayer gathering because not only is repentance a mark that leads to revival, it's prayer. When a church is on their knees, how do we fight our battle? On our knees. And I'd encourage you to register for that prayer night next Sunday night. Many of you have come prepared to give. Many of you give online, but there's buckets at the back. There's debit machines in the lobby. And I'm glad that we've had some guests this morning. Can we one more time give a welcome to all of our first-time guests? And if you're on site, drop by a table. We've got a coffee card for you. If you're online, reach out to us. We'd love to get to know you more. But I want to invite you to lift your hands. I, I feel the Lord been saying to me early this morning, end this service with the church calling out for revival calling out for breakthrough from this, this COVID season. So God, we lift our hands and we pray that you would send revival. I pray God that we would, we would have repentant hearts, change of heart that would lead to a change of mind, that would lead to a change of action. And we pray God that there would be breakthrough from this virus in the name of the Lord. We pray God that the best days for your church would be the days ahead, amen. We pray, God, that you would send joy to your church, gladness to your church. We pray, God, that the, the principles that we looked at this morning from Psalm 51 would be so real in this place. 
And God, I think how David talks about the hyssop and lifting the hyssop, Lord. We, we, we know that they lifted it to, to the doorpost so that the death angel would pass over them. But they got the blood from the lamb. And we know, Jesus, you're the lamb. And we know that in revival, it's all about you. And so, Jesus, we lift up your name in this place today. I pray, God, that there would be personal revival in the name of the Lord. I pray, God, that you would show me and show each one of us anything that is separating us from you. That God, that we would repent of it. God, that we would get back to reading your word and taking time praying. And we would get back, Lord, to the very things that you've called us to do and you've called us to be. And we pray, God, that there would be a harvest in the days, the weeks, the months ahead. We pray, God, that there would be revival in this church. There would be revival in the city of Ottawa. We pray, God, that there would be such a revival that there would not be enough buildings to contain what you're going to do in this city. We pray that you would send revival from the far west of our country to the far east, to the far north, to the far south. We pray revival in the nation of Canada, in the name of the Lord. We pray for our political leaders that they would look to you for their guidance. We pray, God, that the church would be awakened in the name of the Lord. We pray that the church would fall in love with you, Jesus, all over again. I pray, God, because we love you, we would love what you love. And so, God, send revival. Send revival. We pray it in the name of the Lord. Awaken my soul. Light a fire in this church. Light a fire in this city in the name of the Lord. Now, Lord, before we go, we just want to put all the attention, all the focus, all the glory on you because it's all about you, Jesus. Come on, Whitvale. Put your hands together and give a loud clap offering of praise to the Lord God. Amen. Amen. And so I'm calling you, church, stay the course. Stay the course. We may not be on site next week, but we're going to have church. Amen. And the day's going to come that we're going to be able to come back. The day's going to come that we can gather again. Lift up your head. Look to Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Let's be broken vessels. Oh, I feel the Lord saying to me, just like, just like Gideon, I go back to it. They blew the trumpet and then they took those empty jars that had the torch and when they broke the jars, the light of the torch shone out. The more broken we are, the more the light of Jesus will shine through us. Come on, one more time. Give a loud clap offering of praise to the Lord God. Well, Evelyn, I love you so much. We're praying for you. I'm so glad that you joined on site or online. And boys and girls, get your magnifying glass on the way out. And God bless everyone. You have a great day and have a great week. Amen.